You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. 2 to 7. So if you have got a Bible, please grab one. Um, I'll give you a couple of minutes if you want to just grab a Bible around. Um, if not, I'll, yeah, I'll start reading. All right, so. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered the oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle, the bloodied garments of war, will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish to sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. The word of the Lord. All right, take a seat, everybody. If we haven't met, my name's Jonathan. I'm the pastor here, and it's great to be with you on this special Sunday. Got some questions that, um, that I want the kids to answer. So... I said it's a special Sunday. Who can tell me what tomorrow is? Just yell it out. Chris, what was that? Christmas. It's not what I had here. Um, Jesus morning. Jesus morning, yeah. I, I just had Monday, but I guess <laughs> that's, a, that's a twofer. It's, um, it's Christmas as well. All right. Um, all right, here's, here's, a, here's a more predictable question, all right? Um, who here, stick your hand up in the air, if you are here this morning and you have a name. Wow. It's just about everybody. <laughs> okay, a lot of people have names. Keep your hand up if you know what your name means. Ooh. Okay, a few, a few more than I thought. I, I, I kind of thought that no one would. But um, if you don't know the meaning of your name, you should find it out because um, me, your, the, net, the, net, the meaning of your name is kind of important, particularly in the Bible. People's names in the Bible tend to have a lot of meaning. And um, since you asked, my name is actually from the Bible. And... Um, Jonathan, it means God has given. 
So it's in the Bible. It's got to be. It's got to be true. If you want to call me God's gift to this church, then by all means, you would be um, just saying what the Bible says. So <laughs> I want to tell you this morning about the story of a kid who saves the world. I want to tell you a story about a kid who saves the world, and he's a kid who has a bunch of different names, all of them very meaningful names. So I want to take us back 700 years before Jesus was born. 700 years before Jesus was born, and uh, at that time, there was a whole lot of war going on. Actually, just around the world and during that period of history, there was just wars being fought all of the time. Uh, But at this time in our story, the context of our story is one of um, lots of conflict. So who can tell me, like we're very familiar this past year or so, we've been hearing a lot about wars. Who can tell me a war that's happening right now? Ukraine. Ukraine, yeah. Clyde? Israel, yep, Palestine, Gaza, yep. So they're, the, they're the, the big names in war right now. They're getting a lot of the airtime at the moment. But actually, wars, armed conflicts are happening all around the world. I did a little bit of research and I found that in South America, there's six separate armed conflicts happening right now. In Europe, there's actually seven wars that are being fought right now. Um, in Asia, there's 21 armed conflicts happening right now, including what I think is probably the worst one, which is that which is happening in Myanmar at the moment. Just horrible. Not much press on that one, but just just disgusting what's happening in Myanmar right now. So 21 in Asia. There's 35 in Africa, including some wars that are affecting some of our family here. The ongoing conflict, like never-ending conflict in South Sudan is just heartbreaking, and so 35 armed conflicts in Africa, and then in the Middle East, 45, 45 wars being fought in the Middle East, and that's where the context for our story is. We're in the Middle East, 700 years before Jesus was born, and there's a whole lot of war going on right there. You've got, um, well, let me show you on the, a map of the time. It will just help us to get our bearings. We've got that map up there. All right, so here's a map of, uh, of the Middle East um, and these four kind of nations. You have a divided kingdom in Israel, so the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel, um, divided and not on the best terms with one another. To the north, you have Aram, or um, also known as Syria, um, who are kind of bigger and tougher than either one of Judah and Israel, and uh, right on the doorstep there of northern Israel, and then further up to the uh, to the southeast, uh, sorry, northeast, you have Assyria, and they're like the big player on the world stage at this time. Assyria are the superpower, and they are throwing their weight around. They are grabbing as much land and power as they can get, and so they're a constant threat to these other smaller nations. And so this is the, the, the um, age of empires, right? This is the, the, the time in history where different 
kingdoms, different empires are vying for land and for power and prestige and prominence. And so it's a very unsettling time, 700 years before Christ. The kind of geopolitical situation is that um, Israel and Aram, who are no great friends with one another, but they are both threatened by Assyria to the north, they have sort of come together. They've said, let's be buds. We'll put together our armies, and then we'll be able to maybe just about hold off Assyria to the north. So they've come together, Aram and Israel, and then uh, Israel and Aram have gone to Judah and said, why don't you, you know, we're, we're, we're putting something together here. We're, we're making a, a, a super army here to hold off Assyria. Why don't you join us? And the whole situation is a bit like, does anyone play Stacks on the Mill anymore? Stacks on the Mill? Come on now. All right, do I need to do a demonstration? Stacks on. Stacks on is just where some unfortunate person happens to be on the ground or gets put on the ground and then everyone just dives on top of them until you have a big stack of people. Most of my childhood was spent in some form of stacks on. I had, there are four of us in our family. I have a brother, older brother, a younger brother, and then we have this itty bitty little sister. And so I, I'm sort of ashamed to say it, but she was the victim of many a stacks on. And how it would normally go, this, this tiny little Korean girl would be playing with her toys on the floor or something, and I would normally be the one to yell stacks on and just crush her. And then my older brother Benjamin would normally be next on top of me, and then my younger brother Andrew, who was the heaviest of all of us, would normally come on, on top, leading with the knees. And it would be stacks on Annalie. And that, I mean, that just was part of her, part of the way we loved her and <laughs> prepared her for the world. And that's kind of what's happening here. You've got little Judah down on the bottom, and it's a huge pile on Israel to the north, Aram above them, and Assyria above them. And so it's just this very, it's a, well, it's, it's a powder keg kind of situation, constant conflict. So you've got Aram and Israel, they've come together to hold off Assyria. They go to Judah and say, join with us. We're going to come together and work together and we'll hold off this massive superpower. King Ahaz is the king of Judah. You can read all about this. Um, king Ahaz is, just the spoiler alert is, king, king Ahaz is like the worst king in the history of Israel. The worst king in the Old Testament. He's just horrible. He's terrible. He's, uh, he's weak and indecisive. So they come to him and say, join with us. He's scared. He doesn't know what to do. He is indecisive. And so he says, no. King Ahaz, come and join with us. We're going to hold off the Assyrians. And he says, nope. And so they then, Aram and Israel, invade Judah and besiege Jerusalem and tons of people die. And King Ahaz's response is 
to just throw in all of his chips and send a message to the, the king of Assyria and say, he says, I'm your, we're your son now. We're, we're your people now. He gets tons of gold and stuff out of the temple, which is kind of sacred to the temple, and sends a king's ransom up to the king of Assyria and says, we're, we're, we're with you. Come and help us. And he travels up there to Assyria and he's kind of like pressing the flesh with the Assyrian king and he's learning about their gods and their pagan worship and he's kind of getting into that and starting to mix in some of the, the, the worship of Yahweh with the worship of these pagan Assyrian gods and then he comes back down to Judah and says, you guys should get into this too and he encourages them to worship the Assyrian gods because... Rather than trusting in Yahweh to fight for them and expressing that trust through worship and prayer, he's trusting Assyria to fight for them, and so he worships the Assyrians. He worships their gods, and all of this is catastrophic for God's people. So that it's a very, very dark time. It's probably the lowest point in the history of God's people right now. Really low, really dark, very uncertain, under threat, giving in to idolatry. Their king is a moron. Like, they're just in a lot of trouble. And into this situation, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah comes. And he tells Judah that they need to take heart They should be encouraged because God is going to save them. God is going to rescue them. He's going to send a hero to fight for them. A hero to release them from oppression. A hero to overcome their enemies. And the hero is going to be a kid. So just tell me, throw, throw some heroes at me, some, some heroes, you know, like popular culture heroes, superheroes, sports heroes. Give me some names. Say again. Hulk. The Hulk. The Incredible Hulk. Spider-Man. Superman. Iron Man. Batman. Wolverine. Hmm? I'm not here. Mother Teresa. <laughs> sure. Dustin Martin. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. And... Um, I'm sure someone said Jonathan. So the, the hero, the name of the hero that Isaiah tells them is going to come, he gives the, the, the name of this hero in Isaiah chapter 7. So a couple of chapters before the reading that we had, Isaiah 7 and 14. He says to the people, remember this, people who are being crushed under the weight of this situation they're in. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, a sign that he's with you. He will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel, 
We know Emmanuel means God with us. So these people who are desperate to be delivered from the situation that they're in, desperate for leadership where they have none, desperate for God to show up and prove that he is who he said he is and, and, and he is who they've been believing he is for so many, many hundreds of years. God will give them a hero. God will give them a son and his name will be Emmanuel. He'll be a sign that God is in fact with them. So now, put yourself back in that situation, 700 years BC. Everyone wants you dead. Your king's a moron. Your city has been besieged. Thousands of people are dead. Sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, children have been slaughtered. All you're thinking about and hoping for is that God will deliver you from your enemies. And the prophet Isaiah says, God is going to send a hero. God is going to send a son. And so naturally, the people of Judah at the time are thinking, all right, who's, who is this son? Who's this going to be? Who's the kid? Like, this is, they're, they're just obsessed. Like, like, the, like, our kids have been for the last two months about Christmas coming any day now. That's how they're feeling about this kid who's going to come and be their deliverer, be their saviour. And they land on Hezekiah as the likely candidate to be Emmanuel, God with us. Hezekiah is King Ahaz's son. And so he's the next in line, and he's their great white hope. He's the one they're thinking, all right, this is going to be God's promised child. And Hezekiah is okay. He's, he's definitely not as bad as his dad. He's all right. But he's not Emmanuel. He's not God with us. He can't deliver on that promise. He can't bear up the weight of that name. It's not going to be Hezekiah. Others think maybe it's going to be, maybe it's Isaiah's son. I don't know. They're really, they're really searching around for who this might be. Isaiah gives them some more info on this in Isaiah chapter 9. This is our reading. He says, the people walking in darkness, that's you guys, right? In the midst of this terrible situation, you've seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You, Lord, have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at a harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. It goes on. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke. You've removed these warring nations. You've shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and of the bloody garments of war will be burned as for fuel for the fire. You're not going to need your army clothes anymore. For... A child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Hezekiah could never be those things. Isaiah's son, son of a prophet, more promising maybe in lineage, but he could never be those things. 
To be a wonderful counselor means that you have great wisdom. You can lead people. You can lead the, the nation of Judah. You can lead the people of the kingdom with wisdom. You can guide Mighty God, well, that's self-explanatory. Hezekiah was okay, but by the end of Isaiah, we know, I think chapter 38 or 37, he's, he's dead. So he can't be either mighty God or eternal father. He's buried in the ground. And none of them achieved the title of Prince of Peace. The conflicts raged on as they have ever since right up till today. So here's the thing. The people of Judah may have been disappointed that Isaiah's prophecy wasn't realized in their time, but what they didn't understand is that Isaiah, when he spoke of God rescuing them from their enemies, when he spoke of God defeating their enemies, saving them from their, their darkness, he wasn't talking about Assyria. He wasn't talking about Aram or Israel. He wasn't talking about this present darkness. He was talking about something far bigger than that. Isaiah was talking about God's child rescuing the people, saving the people from evil itself. Not just an evil regime, not just an evil king, but evil itself. Darkness itself, sin itself, Satan himself. That's who Isaiah was talking about. The people of Judah were just aiming too low. To be the one who overcomes condemnation and death and sin and hell, this hero is going to need to be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace, only he could achieve all of those victories. So, who's the hero of the story? Who's the, the son, the child, the baby? He's going to overcome the biggest enemies we have in the universe. He comes 700 years later. He comes at Christmas time. Matthew 1, 20 to 23, this is how Matthew interprets the birth of Jesus. He says that the angel, speaking to Joseph, says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was written and spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the one who saves us from the biggest enemies we could ever face. 
Jesus is God with us. A baby is God's hero. Jesus is the light that the people have seen who are walking in darkness. Jesus himself is the light of the world. And we're going to hear in a little bit from the kids that he then makes us to be the light of the world on his behalf. If you've come to this Christmas and you're finding it difficult to kind of rouse any wonder, any excitement, or any joy, if the Christmas story is kind of getting a little bit dog-eared and weather-worn, then it might be because you've forgotten why Jesus came in the first place. Your biggest problem is not getting the meat cooked perfectly tomorrow at lunch. Your biggest problem is not trying to make ends meet when the bank balance is empty and you've still got presents to buy. Your biggest problem is not the fact that you are alone on Christmas Day with no one to share it with. These are all problems, but they're not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is that by nature, you are God's enemy. And by nature, I am deserving of condemnation. King Ahaz was a horrible person, and I'm no better. King Ahaz made a mess of his life, and so have I. King Ahaz led the people of Israel into the worship of false gods, and every time I've worshipped myself rather than God, I've done the same thing. The good news... The reason that Christmas should be a joyful season, season of celebration and feasting, the good news is that God took it upon himself to step in and save us. Jesus means God saves. And Jesus is the only way for us to be reconciled to God. So, Christmas is as good a time as any to commit yourself to worship the Lord Jesus. Christmas is as good a time as any when we're so focused on gifts, right? The giving of gifts. The greatest gift ever given was God giving himself and that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. So, receive it. There isn't a kid in the universe who tomorrow morning, when they are given a gift, is just going to put it aside and say, oh, I'm not really into opening presents. <laughs> so, don't do that with God's gift. He's presenting it to you right now. Tear it open. It's the greatest gift you'll ever receive. Let's pray together. Father, 
We thank you so much that you have acted when we needed you most. We're like the people of Judah, just getting crushed under the weight of our enemies. But our enemies are eternal enemies, enemies of sin and death and judgment. So we thank you for sending that little baby. It's amazing. Your solution to the world's problems is a kid. And we praise you for him. I pray that each one of us now, whether for the first time or the 50th, that we would receive afresh that gift of grace, the gift of you. And may the rest of this Christmas season be sprinkled with, seasoned with joy as we experience your great love for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.